Tonight, especially those that are visiting, I would like to uh, recognize one of our visitors, uh, Fred Asari. Fred is the director of the Village of Hope. Fred, if you'll just raise your hand. Fred's right back here. Uh, he's here tonight meeting with the uh, missions committee. Uh, and I want to encourage you to pray for the Village of Hope and all the young people that they have uh, in, that con- in their country uh, to be able to come in contact with and help. And so we appreciate Fred and the work at the Village of Hope. Uh, I, when I was in the Memphis area, I first learned of the Village of Hope uh, and the Christian school there uh, and some from our youth group uh, would go over there and spend some time at the Village of Hope, and so uh, this is a great work, and so I'm excited that Fred's here talking to our missions committee about this work, and um, uh, I want to encourage you to pray uh, for that work, so uh, we're thankful that Fred is here tonight. Also, uh, this Tuesday will be the Senior Expo. Uh, That's for all uh, those that are uh, in the golden years, and uh, that's going to be back here in the ministry building. There'll be um, uh, booths and tables set up. Uh, different vendors will be here uh, giving out, uh, talking about different information of things that they do uh, for those in that age group. And the ladies' Bible class is fixing breakfast for all those vendors. Uh, and so if you have signed up to help with that, you're asked to have your food here by 8 a.m. Um, and so I, I'm not exactly sure what time the expo starts, if you want to be a part of that. But I'm sure if you come around 10 a.m. or so, uh, you'll be able to get in and enjoy that. But uh, for those that will be fixing uh, breakfast, we want to encourage you to have your food here back in the banquet room by 8 a.m. So uh, keep those things in mind as in, in addition to all those that Bradley mentioned and all those that are on our, um, in our bulletin. We want to encourage you to take note of those things. Turn your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 5 as we continue to look at these Beatitudes. Tonight we're looking at uh, uh, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 4 where Jesus says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And as I think about these Beatitudes, this one especially, I I think about as I read that and I study things, I look for things uh, pertaining to that, uh, it's still hard in some sense to, to comprehend some of these things, and I'm not sure I have all the answers, but I want to share with you some things uh, that I found and, and try to help us understand uh, this particular Beatitude. Now, the Beatitudes, as I mentioned, can be somewhat confusing, and one of the reasons they're confusing is because they're so counter cultural. They go against everything in our culture. You see, our world would say that those that are blessed, those that are approved, are the courageous, the wise, the intelligent, the attractive, the fit. But Jesus would say differently. And we see some of that here in the Beatitudes. Well, notice what one person said about it. Let me share with what he said. Welcome to Jesus' narrow gate theology, he says. Teaching that separates the crowds who want health and wealth in the here and now and the disciples who are willing to deny themselves, pick up their crosses, and follow Jesus. Welcome not to the few, the proud, the marines, but the few, the humble, the followers of Jesus, he says. Welcome to what it means to be a blessed disciple of Jesus Christ. You see, the Beatitudes, they're all focused on Jesus. They're all focused on a relationship with Jesus. They're all focused on following the example of Jesus. You see, they're all about Jesus. And so, these Beatitudes begin this Sermon on the Mount Focusing on Jesus. 
You see, many in our world seek to avoid things that deal with mourning or grief. Many seek to cover their mourning and their grief up in ways that are not healthy and ways that are not godly. And even as I think about this particular beatitude, I don't really like the idea of grief or mourning. Because it means there's pain associated with it. And really, I don't like pain or painful circumstances. But we as humans, the human race, human beings, many times don't want to face up to the reality of pain and sorrow and mourning. Either in our own lives or in the lives of people around us. But Jesus calls His followers to a view of mourning that is different. And that's what I want us to think about tonight. Someone has said, Jesus' standard for a blessed life demands that we accept the painful reality and view it as a spiritual opportunity. That's interesting. They go on, they say, rather than develop defense mechanisms against mourning, the follower of Christ faces it in faith, confidently expect, expecting to receive a blessing from it. Jesus said those who mourn, maybe we could add those who mourn in faith, will be blessed and will be comforted. And that can sound difficult, can't it? It can sound harsh. It can sound unsympathetic. But the reality is not, it's not meant to say that way. He starts it off, blessed are those who mourn. You see, because the reality is Jesus Himself is our example. He went through so many sorrows. He went through so much grief. And through it, He was blessed and He was comforted. Do you remember what... Uh, the prophet Isaiah said about Jesus. Listen to what he said, Isaiah 53, beginning in verse 3. He is despised and rejected by men. A man of, here it is, sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us, of us all. The Lord Jesus understands what it's like. To deal with mourning, to deal with sorrow, to deal with suffering. Now Jesus wasn't telling His listeners here in Matthew chapter 5, Hey, guys, listen up. Mourning is a part of life. You need to deal with it and get on. He wasn't saying, hey, hey, guys, listen, I want you to know mourning is just a part of life, so you need to learn to live with it. That's not what Jesus was saying. You see, Jesus wants to give comfort to those who would follow Him. Because He's been there. He wants to give comfort to His listeners. Then He did and today He does. He wants to give comfort to those who will invest their lives in people and invest in life as children of God. Realizing that pain and sorrow will come in life. He wants to bless though His followers because they live lives of faith and they seek to face these times of trials through faith. 
And as a result of us doing that, we're blessed and we're comforted. And so as we think about mourning, I want us to think about two important factors as it relates to blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. First of all, there's a mourning that's without profit. There's a mourning that's without profit. You see, some mourning has no value at all. The Holy Spirit, through Paul, lets us know that there are two kinds of grief. Listen to what he says, 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 10. For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. There's godly sorrow that leads to salvation, and there's worldly sorrow that leads to death. There is no comfort in worldly sorrow. There's no value. Uh, Now think about some forms of grief and sorrow that would not bring blessing and comfort. For example, some mourning is simply because people have a bad attitude toward life. The world is full of people who cannot see the good in anything. You know those people. Jesus doesn't want us to be those kind of people. Some people are just pessimistic people. They only see the bad. Reminds me of a story I came across about two frogs. They fell into the same can of milk. One's name was Optimist and the other one was Pessimist. With a sad face and a voice choking in despair, Pessimist, he moaned that there's no hope for survival. And he sank to the bottom and he died. Optimist kept on kicking and kicking and kicking. And when the can was opened the next morning, he was sitting comfortably on a lump of butter. His kicking had churned up. (laughs) Who are we, optimists or pessimists? You see, there's some people that's in the world that all they see is the bad. They never see the good. And you see, there's no value in mourning over those things. There's no value in that kind of mourning. Some mourn, some mourning is being discontented about one's circumstances in this crazy materialistic world. You see, this mourning has no value either. You know, there's some people that they mourn because so and so has a new car or a new house and I don't. Or so and so can take all kinds of vacations and they plaster it all over Facebook and Instagram and it seems like their world is, uh, is perfect. Their family and their life is perfect, but mine is miserable. You say there's no value in that kind of warning, mourning. Jesus warned against this in Luke chapter 12 and verse 15 when He says, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. You see, that's countercultural from the world, isn't it? Paul warned in 1 Timothy chapter 6, And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare. That's misery, isn't it? But that's, that mourning is no value. And into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. There's no value in that mourning. 
There's no value in the unprofitable mourning of having to bear the consequences of being caught in wicked deeds. You know, there are people that they mourn because they've been caught. They mourn because of the embarrassment and the shame that that their sin has brought. But they're not concerned about what they have done is wrong. You see, their mourning comes because they were caught. And there's no value in that. But Jesus is not speaking about this kind of mourning. Jesus is speaking about the second most important factor in mourning I want us to think about tonight. That mourners... Mourners are blessed. Who are the mourners that God blesses? The Bible teaches there are several mourners that God blesses. You see, God will comfort those who face their personal sufferings and sorrows with unending faith. Again, we make that statement, and that can sound harsh and unfeeling and unsympathetic, but it's not meant to be that way. You see, when Jesus says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted, it's it's to be a means of encouragement. We're to be challenged to live our life in the good times and the difficult times by faith. You see, Jesus, He understands what it's like to suffer. He understands what it's like to to be grieved, to, to be mourning more than anyone else. And if the one who really understands more than anyone else, gives us encouragement that you're blessed when you mourn. And when you deal with your own sufferings with unending faith, you will be comforted. Jesus wants to comfort those, despite their mourning, who continue to walk in and live by faith. Now, Here's the part I don't want us to misunderstand. This doesn't mean that I just go around happy like nothing's happened. I have these struggles in my life. I'm going through this suffering, but everything's okay. That's not what Jesus is suggesting. You see, Jesus understands the reality of suffering. And Jesus understands it's difficult. Remember when Jesus faced... Being separated from the Father, taking on the sins of the world, Father, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus understands. Jesus understands that it's not easy. And, And so He's not saying, hey, this is a part of life. Deal with it and get on. He's saying, put your faith in me. Trust in me. Receive strength from me. And here's the end. You will be comforted. John Redhead shared in his book something that gives us an idea of the several different views of mourning and suffering in life. He says, The problem of pain and suffering is as old as life itself. And the minds of men have attempted four solutions to deal with mourning. The first is to deny the reality of suffering. To bury our head in the sand and refuse to see it. That is the method of the Christian scientist. I was talking with such a man once, and when I asked him what he did with the suffering of Jesus on the cross, he used the word I'd never heard before. He said, I just unsee it. 
says that calls for a mental trick of magic which I've never learned. The second solution is to count suffering and evil and seek to get rid of it by, by getting rid of the capacity to feel and therefore to suffer. He says that's the method of the Stoic. And it does violence to our humanity. The third solution is to regard suffering as the result of the will of God and submit to it with the hope that in the end He will tip the scales in your favor. He says that's not the method that God's asking for either. And he says the fourth solution is to accept trouble as a part of life and make something out of it. And he says that's the Christian method. Jesus would say in John 16 and verse 33, These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. Remember the focus of the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus. And in the midst of mourning, He's calling for a focus on Him. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. There's the end. The end is blessing and comfort. God also blesses those who mourn over the afflictions of other people. This kind of mourning and blessing can be seen in the aftermath of the great storms like the recent hurricanes that we've seen. Uh, Hurricane Florence in the Carolinas. And most recently, Hurricane Michael in Florida. Brother Donnie made a plea to us this morning. And he reminded us that we have brothers and sisters in Christ in Florida right now who are suffering because of these storms. Do we mourn for those people? Do we have sorrow for those people because they are suffering? You see, blessing comes when we help those individuals. I just heard a story tonight of a family who's been helped. And the joy and the blessing that has come from helping that family in the name of Jesus. And that brings blessings. And that brings comfort. But you see, it goes far beyond that. You see, to some degree, that's the easy part. Someone's in need. Our nation floods and helps, right? Even those of us who are Christians. But it goes farther and beyond that. For Jesus said in Matthew 22 and verse 39, And the second is like it. Speaking about the greatest commands. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And when we love our neighbors, who's our neighbors? Yes, it's those fellow Americans. But it's also those who live in my neighborhood. It's also those who I work beside. It's also those that I interact with at the checkout line at the store. It's those who I go to school with. And it's those who I have difficulty with. And Jesus says, this is the second commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. He didn't say, love your neighbor as yourself when it's easy. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. Paul also urged the Christians in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4, let each of you look out not only for your, his own interest, but also for the interest of others. You see, God blesses those who mourn over their own self sinfulness and spiritual unworthiness as well. Jesus said in Luke 13 and verse 5, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. No one can get back on track in life without first admitting what? That they need help, right? That they have a problem. 
You see, it's not, it's not the people who are blessed when they're sorrowful because they got caught. We're blessed when we realize how we are in view of God. Where we stand with God. In our own sinfulness and unworthiness. And we have to admit that. And then we repent of that. And we give our life to God. Then we will be blessed. Then we will receive comfort. God wants to save those and bring comfort from mourning to those who are intensely sorrowful and brokenhearted because of their sin against God. I think about in the beginning. I remember sitting in the kitchen in our house in Decatur, Alabama, talking to our oldest son about becoming a Christian. And the one thing I wanted him to realize, why do we talk about becoming a Christian? Because look back here in the, in the book of Genesis and, and, and see what happened. What was it that messed up that relationship with God? It was sin. And because of that sin and because of my sin, Jesus had to go to the cross. And the only way I can allow that to be made right is when I admit it. And I give it to God. When I can mourn of the sin in my life and repent of that and turn it over to God, guess what comes through salvation? Blessing and comfort. James would say in James chapter 4 and verse 8, Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Why? Because of my sin. And where does the blessing and the comfort come from, James? Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. How? And what? And He will lift you up. There's the blessing and there's the comfort when we mourn over our sin. I think about Acts chapter 2. Do you remember when Peter preached that great gospel sermon? Do you remember what what the right what Luke says records in the book of Acts chapter 2 of what happened to those people when they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ they heard what they had done they heard what their sin had done to Jesus The Bible says they were cut to the heart folks that's not oh my goodness I can't believe we got caught doing this It was man what have we done? What have we done to you, God? And it caused them to ask Peter and those other apostles, Brethren, what shall we do to be saved? You see, God blesses those who mourn also over the sins of others. As Jesus approached the city of Jerusalem, recorded in the book of Matthew and also the book of Luke, the Bible says uh, there as He is entering the last week of His life and He's approaching the city of Jerusalem, He weeps and He mourns over sinful of the sinfulness of the city. Paul would sorrow over the sin of his kinsmen 
In Romans chapter 9, he says, I tell you the truth, in Christ, I'm not lying, my conscience also being uh, bearing witness in the Holy Spirit, that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart for my fellow countrymen. Because of their sin. David mourned for the sins of others in the book of Psalm, chapter 119 and verse 136. Streams of tears flow from my eyes, for your law is not obeyed. Can you think of people that you care about that are living in sin? Doesn't it cause you sorrow and mourning? But you see, we, we don't leave that sorrow and mourning aside. When it's the people that we care about, what do we do? We tell them about the blessing and comfort and peace in Jesus Christ. When they seek all other ways to deal with their sorrow and their mourning, because the reality is mourning and sorrow and pain, it is a part of life. That's why John received word from Jesus about heaven. You see, that's blessing, that's comfort. There's no pain, no sorrow. God shall wipe away every tear. Do you think about those individuals that you know whose lives are broken because of sin. Do we have sorrow over that? I hope so. You see, because we as the church, our mission needs to be more than a humanitarian mission effort. We should help those affected by these hurricanes. But you see, it goes beyond that. You see, the mission of the church, the number one mission of the church, are you with me? Because I think sometimes I, I even forget this. The number one mission of the church was Christ's mission. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And because of our mourning for the sins of others, we can receive blessing and comfort when they too turn to Jesus Christ. Or when they too return to Jesus Christ. But we have to share with them from our mourning. The story is told in northern Chile between the Andes Mountain and the Pacific Ocean, lies a narrow strip of land where the sun shines every day. Clouds gather so seldom over the valley that one could say, it almost never rains there. Morning after morning, the sun rises brilliantly over the tall mountains to the east. Each noon, it shines brightly overhead. And every evening, it brings a picturesque sunset. Although storms are often seen rising high in the mountains and heavy fog banks hand their gray curtains far over the sea, the old sun continues to shed its warming rays upon upon this favored and unprotected strip of territory. 
One might imagine this area be the earthly paradise, but it's far from that. It is a sterile and desolate wilderness. There are no streams of water and nothing grows there. You know, we often long for total sunshine and continuous joy in life, don't we? And we desire to avoid the heartaches that bring tears to our eyes. But like that sunny, unfertile land in Chile, without clouds, even an occasional downpour, our lives would not be productive and it would not be challenging. Those showers come, here's the joy, here's the blessing. Those, those showers come, it's going to end. The sun, S-O-N, will shine. Psalm 30 and verse 5, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I hope this gives you a different perspective on this particular beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Listen, I don't have all the answers. In fact, I still struggle, though I've learned some new insight. Because it doesn't make sense, really, to struggle to be blessed in mourning. But Jesus says, listen, when you focus on Me and you live a life of faith, though the downpours come, so will the blessings. And the sun, S-O-N, will shine again. Tonight, if you're not a child of God, I want to encourage you to put on Jesus Christ in baptism. I want to encourage you to give your life to Jesus. Do Here's the question, you see. We talked about that last week. It's more than just being dipped in water. Because, see, Jesus wants to know, do you believe that I'm the Son of God? And if you believe, are you willing to act on it, change your life, live a life of faith in Me, and receive blessing and comfort? Tonight, if you haven't done that, you can do that today. Maybe you're here and there's a lot of pain and sorrow in your life. We want you to know. We don't stand here. We don't sit here saying, oh, that's a part of life. Deal with it. We stand here and we sit here saying, don't do it alone. You see, that's part of the blessing. That we get to carry the load together. Do you have a need to respond to the Lord's invitation tonight? You see, it's all about Jesus. If you need to respond, let us help you any way we can as together we stand and sing.